Welcome to Fresh Cut Grass, light conversation with turf grass professionals from across the turf industry, with your hosts, Jeff Fowler and Tanner DelVal. Hello and welcome to this episode of Fresh Cut Grass. My name is Jeff Fowler, one of your co-hosts with me this week, next week, last week, and every week, Tanner DelVal, our co-host. Tanner, good to have you again. Glad to be here, Jeff. What's How going on? In, uh, not, not too much. Um, I guess this is kind of the first episode that we've um, done since our barbecue edition, um, and that's, that was pretty popular. Um I had a couple of guys email me and tell me they tried smoking ice. So we, I know people are listening. Um, and, and then I got an email um, from uh, a listener asking us to look into above ground irrigation systems. So I know that um, somebody else was dry like you have been this summer. Um, so we're going to address that later in today's episode, but um, kind of nice to know that um, we have people that are out there listening to us and paying attention to us. No, absolutely. And interestingly enough, we're going to talk about irrigation and we just got a pile of rain. So timing may not be. <laughs> Go ahead. At least in our corner of the world, we got a pile of rain, right? That's I mean, there are, there are still parts of the world, parts of the country that um, are bone dry um and and um you know in, in the world of hurt but um not us right here in this not here in the pennsylvania corridor anyway we've gotten our share here in the last three weeks absolutely so our guest today um you know tanner when we talked about this episode and doing above ground irrigation you and I put our heads together and said, you know, let's talk about above ground irrigation, see if we can find somebody um, that that um, is an expert, a true expert. Well, we have an expert with us today because I ran into this guy about 40 years ago. 40? Do my math. Yeah, 40 years ago. Um he and I sat together in a lot of classes um, and not the kind of classes that um, you go to for pesticide education. Um, we sat in a lot of classes together. We went to school together. We got our bachelor's together um, at DelVal at your university, Tanner. Oh, yeah. At the one that you didn't go to, but they named you after. Um, yeah. um, Anyway, our guest today is Steve Marchek. Steve is with Hoffman Irrigation um, down on the eastern shore of, of um, Maryland and Delaware and Virginia, um, Delmarva Peninsula. And Steve and I go way back. Um, and I'm going to try to keep this all my questions and conversation today, Tanner, above board. So if I start to slip into um, an area that I shouldn't go, just kind of snap your fingers and bring me back to it so that I don't go any deeper into a hole. Um, Steve, good to see you. Good to have you on the show. Um, really looking forward to um, an above ground irrigation conversation. Our guest today, Steve Marchek. Steve, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here with you guys today. 
<clears throat> no, no smart comments. Um, I no. thought for sure I'd get some some smart comment about. Um, I guess we already talked about we can't talk about those things on this show, yeah. right? So, so yeah, we're but just gonna... it, it, um, it is true that Jeff and I uh, have been been friends for a really long time, and uh, it really goes back further than that. Um, you know, the Fowler name in the in extension is a is a long and uh, storied history. One um, growing up, I, I uh, was in 4-H in Delaware, and um, Jeff's uncle. Uh, Uncle Dick Fowler was the uh, livestock extension specialist, uh, and during my days doing 4-H, so um, the Fowler family and the extension uh, have a long history together. I for I forgot about that connection. I forgot that you were in 4-H in Delaware when when Uncle Dick was um, running that program. Anyway, let Tanner, let's get started with today's show. Um, we because Steve and I could go on forever. What what do you have? What we're going to talk about above ground irrigation. Steve, we were in, um, especially in some very small pockets around Pennsylvania and around the country, we were in some um, critical drought stages. Um, and and we had a listener um, send us an email and say, hey, what are my alternatives to in-ground irrigation? Um, so today we're going to talk about water wheels and above-ground irrigation. Um, where do we get started? Well, the Tanner, uh, Tanner, what do you, what do you, where do you, where, where do, where do we, where do we start this whole show? Because we could, we could babble forever, right? So let's, let's get right to the point. Um, I know Steve, you guys handle um, water wheels. You, you sell your water wheels, um, not only to turf, but also for, for vegetable crops and other crops as well. Um, but today we're specifically going to talk about turf. Um, where, where do we get started? How do I? How many, you know, how much, how much of a reel do I need? How many gallons per minute? What do we, where do we start with measuring how, how we do this effectively? Well, the, the, the easiest way to start is, um, you know, is to figure out what we have for a water source. Um, Cause that kind of determines uh, what size machine um, would be the most efficient to use um, depending on how much water we have available. Sometimes we don't have uh, a whole lot. Sometimes we have uh, an abundant supply. Sometimes we're able to tap into a uh, fire hydrant, you know, uh, mostly at a, at a school situation. Sometimes there is a fire hydrant and sometimes there's not anything left but a, uh, you know, a three quarter inch frost free hydrant. And, um, you know, nowadays we have options that uh, we can make these machines run off of those frost free hydrants. So, so we can run, so we can rub an above ground irrigation system, water wheel, um, something on a three quarter inch frost free hydrant. Correct. Correct. Wow. So, so years ago, um, just a little history on, um, on the uh, water reels. Um, the ones that I'm real familiar with are, uh, are the Kipco reels, the, the green ones and some old red ones around. And, um, they were originally uh, a bellows drive. So, you know, a bellows is kind of like, you know, the air thing, air pump for like a forge. So instead of air, the bellows use water to, to drive the reel. So water would come into the bellows, expand it, and it would drive a pin and it would drive a ring and make the reel roll, roll in. <clears throat> and it took a certain amount of pressure to make that work. So basically, the bellows machines needed a minimum of 45 PSI to work, not 44, 
not 44 and a half, 45 or better. And, and, and so we did that at a lot of schools. We had that problem. And, and a lot of it was um, back in the day, we did a lot of uh, horse arenas for dust control and riding arenas. And that's where we ran into this three-quarter hose bid deal. So Kifco went back to the drawing board and made a hose reel that runs on electric motor that is run off a battery, which has a solar panel to charge the battery on it. So this is on, uh, the original one was on the 110 series, um, the smallest machine. And so that eliminated the pressure issue of uh, having pressure to run the machine. So without a booster pump. So that, that machine is probably one of the most popular machines for areas that have low, um, low water pressure. And no electricity, I guess, potentially at the site, right? Correct. Yeah, because most of the time, you know, or or they, you know, we've had electric booster pumps or gas booster pumps. And, you know, it's something that, uh, you know, with the 110, the small ones, it doesn't have the capability to mount a booster pump to it. So it would be an external pump that would be required for that. So how so much how water does that small unit put down? Um, so if I wanted to water... Um, you know, a football field, um, my high school football field, um, how much water does that, that small unit put down? Um, the 110 runs on uh, from, will run on from like 10 gallons to 33 gallons a minute. And so if we think about, um, we go back in just a little bit and back up and think about, uh, you know, water flowing through a, uh, a pipe, you know, you can only get so much water through a certain size pipe. So, you know, of course, so, so as the TIFCO machines are numbered, um, 110 is a 1.1 inch hose. It's a met the hoses are metric. So the TIFCO numbers are the hose diameter. Hmm. So, okay. so, so you're only going to be able to get like 33 gallons a minute through a one inch hose, basically. So yes, it will take a while to water a football field. And uh, that size machine is designed to, be able to water uh, in two passes lengthwise. It, the the the, uh, the hose, the amount of hose on it is long enough to uh, is three hundred and uh, three hundred and twenty feet on a one ten. That'll get you, you know, the length of a football field. Um, and since that your gun will shoot. How how wide of a throw does like a single pass like like from I guess side to side? How far? Like how wide would that throw? Um, the the small machines only going to get you about, um, you know, somewhere about eighty to a hundred feet wide on the small okay. machine. So that's why you know a, a, that machine will do in two passes. You have to make two long. You know, you can water it half one side and half the other. You know, t Tanner, um, talking about two passes. That you know, that's not the end of the world because I remember. Uh, I mean, I'm old, as you know, as you refer to me all the time on this show as the old guy, right? But I remember um, Bob Hudzik at Penn State used to say that, you know, he always felt that Beaver Stadium was um, a better field because he didn't have in-ground irrigation system um, at the time. This It does now, obviously, but um, at the time when Bob was doing it, he, all, he only had a water wheel. 
Um, and he would go out and look at the field and say, boy, this thing really needs water, but it'd be late in the afternoon and it wasn't going to be able to get done before, you know, the end of the day. So he just, I'm going to wait until tomorrow and I'll run it. Um, and he had to do it two passes at the time. Um, I remember now he had to get to the track and, you know, cover the whole thing, but I remember he had to do multiple passes. Um, but he always thought that the field was better because he had to get out the irrigation gun and pull the water wheel out and, you know, kind of made the grass, um, stronger because it was still looking for water before it got water. Um, cause it was, that irrigation was delayed, you know, by a day, he didn't do it all the time, but you know what I mean? He just, he always said that that would, he always felt that that made Beaver Stadium better. Are those those reels, the, the water reel? Can can you? I assume that they're adjustable. And the fact that if you want to, can you water it now more narrow, or slow it down, or speed them up, or is it like a constant? No, they're um, the you know the guns are um, on them have adjustments to um, be able to set the width. You know they're uh, part circle sprinklers. Um, the uh, hose reels themselves have um, you know a speed adjustment to um to adjust the speed depending on uh, you know so there's a uh, performance chart on uh, you know based on the size of the uh, uh, gun and the amount of water and the pressure coming in so that they kind of determine you know how much water you're you're going to put down and and then and, and what speed the machine's going to run at to do that so there there are adjustments to speed and uh, width of the uh, gun how many folks need some sort of a, of a, I mean, I guess on a percentage basis, people that have pressure issues, you know, because that's going to dictate some of, some of these variables. Honestly, most of uh, most of the machines that uh, end up at a, in, in a school situation um, need some sort of pressure help. You know, like the little ones, you know, now we have this option with, without the booster, they'll run on, on less pressure. And, uh, you know, the next size up machines um, come with uh, availability to add a uh, gasoline powered booster pump, like a five and a half horsepower Honda. And then once we get up into the, the almost two inch machines and the two inch machines, then we look at the uh, uh, nine horsepower Honda being a booster issue to uh, help maintain the pressure and get the coverage and make the gun operate correctly and uh, get the coverage out that you need and and because a lot of times you know these guys are watering more than one field sometimes and they need to be able to get get the machine out get it run and get some water down and then move on to the next spot so in those situations if pressure and water supply is sufficient would you encourage a larger diameter to, I guess, speed speed up the operation because you're able to push more water through that hose? Oh correct? yeah, the best the best way to do it is to um, is to, you know is to buy number one, buy what you can afford, and number two, buy the biggest machine that you got enough water to handle for those reasons, and that way you're not spending all day out there watering. If you can get it done in a half a day. You know, depending on when it does get really dry and you need to water a lot, then you can get something done. And I assume, you know, for folks that maybe aren't too familiar with these, the way that you can move these and transport them around, I assume via a hitch for on a vehicle or, or a tractor or something like that? Um, the small 110 is uh, easily moved by hand, um, but it also has the capability of uh, being hitched to a, 
like a, a golf cart or a uh, you know small uh, ATV type thing. Um, the bigger machines are um, are three wheel on three wheel carts, and uh, so most of the time they get pulled with some sort of uh, small tractor or golf cart, you know mower situation. You know, you know one of my uh, one of my good friends in Delaware that runs uh, been running hose reels for for years has uh, just pulled it out with his golf cart. What's the, and then, you know, what's the longevity of these machines? I mean, I've seen some really old ones out there for a while. I mean, if you keep proper maintenance on these things, I assume they could last for a long time, correct? Correct. They, uh, you know, with, um, you know, there's, there's some working parts and, and a lot of it depends on, uh, on your water quality. Um, you know, some places have some iron in the water and that kind of causes some issues with some of the, the bellows parts. Um, over time, but that's not anything that's not uh, replaceable and uh, maintenance-wise. And, and um, a lot of the machines are, you know, easily 20, 20 years old. You know, we were talking beforehand that, uh, you know, the age of these machines, the green ones came out in 2006. And uh, I'm sure there's still plenty of those machines still running nowadays. And as you said, some of the red ones are even older. What's the hose material made out of? Are they, is it plastic or is it like a lay flat hose? Um, the hose is uh, HDPE, you know, high density polyethylene. Um, so it has the capability to, uh, you know, withstand the dragon on the ground and, uh, and then has that flexibility to, to make that roll on that barrel of the machine. And then still lay flat once it, you know, pulled out on the ground. And honestly, I mean, other than uh, some accidents uh, with mowers and uh, some machines that had some uh, timing issues, um, I don't remember ever changing the hose on a machine that just normally runs, you know, on a daily basis and, and, and you know, just has worn out. A little bit like everything. If you take care of it, it'll last forever. Right? Exactly. You change and, the oil and you're change the oil in your machines they last longer and keep the blades sharp they last longer they do better um anything that has working parts you gotta you gotta maintain it you can't just go out and beat it down and expect it to perform the next time and the maintenance on these is um you know very simple there's not a lot of moving parts to them um you know there's some grease fittings here and there on them that, that need greasing and uh the biggest thing is uh, is the winterization of them, getting them blowed out and uh, getting them put away and uh, just keeping them out of the weather in the wintertime and making sure that, you know, we get a, we get the majority of the water out of them so they don't freeze and bust parts. Hmm. How about like cost range? Obviously the bigger the machine, the more expensive. I mean, I guess, do you have a, a range that you could provide for folks? Let's say someone wants to get a reel. They probably are going to go with a smaller unit, maybe not the smallest, but one of the smaller ones. They're mainly going to use it for one stadium field, like a football field, and maybe have the option to use it on another field as needed. Um, it seems like all school districts complain that they don't have money, but they also want to have fields that at least aren't in a year like this aren't terrible. So what, what, what would a school or, you know, a field manager need, you know, they've got water to the field, but what all do they need to purchase 
to get going. And I guess kind of roundabout ranges of costs. All right. So, so yeah, just cost of the machines, um, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, with the price of uh, things in the world nowadays, they've uh, gotten uh, a little bit more expensive than what they have been in the past. But, uh, but like the smallest machine you're looking in around the $6,500 range, um, and then going up from there to, um, you know, the, the mid teens, you know, to the bigger machines with a booster pump and, and, uh, and then the other, the other cost involved would be uh, how much hose you need to get from your water source over to the machine. So that just, that's, you know, but that's kind of a, you know, that's not a, a huge cost, but it's still an, an extra cost involved depending on where your water source is from where the machine needs to run. And I assume that you would want, I guess it depends. I mean, obviously there's probably fittings that you can get to that change, but depending on where the water source is from, like you're not going to feed a water reel with a five eighth inch or three quarter inch hose, correct? No, usually, usually, um, you know, like the one ten, we've run them off of one inch hose before, um, you know, in certain situations, but usually um, most of the time um, we've got decent water supply. We're using an inch and a half or uh, two inch like lay flat with uh, cam lock, quick lock, couplers on it and that's how it, it connects to the machine with those kind of fittings as well yeah so basically i've just you know someone that has a, a hose fitting on the side of their house wouldn't probably be enough to run a water reel correct um it would run that small one okay you know with the proper nozzle in it and in the in the electric one you know it would run that one but that's the but that's a very you know that would be a long and tedious watering Job. yeah i think Tan like, tanner i'm gonna say it right now i'm speaking for your wife <laughs> you are not going to buy a water wheel to put in your front yard yeah my lawn uh it would probably take about six seconds to water because uh, my lawn's about two thousand three thousand square feet so it wouldn't take very long now you better all stand out there with a hose yeah i just put a little sprinkler out there and we're good to go but um obviously like sometimes like i think at my house i measured i think i get like five gallons of water a minute so i mean that's going to take a long time to do you know depending on how much water is coming out yeah that that's uh that's kind of on the low end and i'm not sure we'd be able to run a reel off of that <laughs> well i just just for folks that may have a field where that you know some there are some fields that all they have is basically a simple hose bib and i i don't know depending on how much pressure and where their water source is from um you know what they could do but um the other thing too to consider and i know you know water especially out west is a you know a, a high value commodity here in the east coast we have a lot of it we typically don't think too much about the availability of it but water source has got to be important as well uh number one from a quality standpoint but also um some people are paying for water. If it's on a well, you might not be quote unquote paying for it as uh, if you were on city water and you're going to be watering a bunch of fields. Those costs, especially in a dry situation during the summer, could be really high depending on the cost of water. So I wasn't expecting a, you know, a response, just, to, just something that people do need to consider. But obviously, uh, to redo an entire field, if you lose it or if it, you know, it's not performing and you're not getting the color and the growth that you desire something has to occur i don't think that like the pricing that like yeah, you, you mentioned i don't think that especially for large organizations or, or sports you know schools that have sports fields that they want to water that aren't you know artificial grass um 
that I don't think that's out of the realm of what people should consider, especially the fact that, you know, you can think about how many years that can last you, you know, so you do all the math and it's a couple hundred bucks a year that is really costing this. So it's, it's probably negligible at that point. Right. And, and, and we've, uh, you know, over the years, you know, dealing with the schools, um, you know, the guys that buy them, you know, sometimes the booster clubs, you know, provide the funds for them, you know, which really helps out. And sometimes the school has the money, um, you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, we deal with a lot of private schools. So, you know, their funding is different than the public system, you know, so, but there's always ways to, uh, you know, to figure out funding to, uh, to purchase one of these reels and, and get it on the field and, and make the uh, field better and safer to play on. Yeah, the key to that is safer, right? Um, we, we can make them look better, but it's really about the safety and playability of these fields that, that's important to, is the most important thing to to the, the field, the field managers, um, because that's what's really the, the ultimate goal is to make sure that they're safe. Um, Steve, you, just to kind of recap here, you you we focused on the smaller unit when we were talking about numbers and you mentioned the bigger units, you mentioned how that, Kifco um, gauges their size based on their unit number. So the um, I learned that the the host size going in is the number of the size of the unit. Um, but um, really, the the bigger unit, and I don't want to I don't want to put words into your mouth, but a bigger unit um, just does it faster, stronger, um, quicker, right? Um, exactly. I mean, it, it does the same thing, right? So we can yeah. control the amount of water we put down with these units by the rate at which this thing is returned to its home, um, right? So we can slow it down, make it put down more water. We can speed it up to make it put down less water. Um, and that's true with the, the little unit, the big unit. They're all, they all function the same. But if we have multiple fields that we need to water, we obviously don't want... Um, you know, may as well go out there with a three quarter inch garden hose and try to water if we're if we're going to try to water, um, you know, multiple fields in, in the same day because we're never going to get it done. Right. It's the same problem. Um, a bigger unit would be able to handle more. Um, we can throw more volume quicker. So really, that's the, the difference in the unit sizes. Right. Correct. Yeah. So, so I mean, basically, the way uh, the way to think about it and not to be a commercial for Kifco, but. You know, the, uh, the 110 will do a football field in two passes lengthwise. The next size up is a 140, and it will do, um, so it has 1.4 inch hose and 350 foot length. So it will do a football field with the correct amount of pressure, one pass down the center, sideline, you know, sideline to sideline, end zone to end zone. So, and then the next machine is a 180, which has 1.8 inch hose. And it has 380 foot of length, so it is designed to cover a soccer field because we all know soccer fields are larger than football fields. And then the next size machine would be a 200, uh, which has a two inch hose on it. So these like the 180s and the 200s with big booster pumps on them, you know, you can uh, get some water out, you know, because we're looking at, um, you know, being able to run, uh, you know, depending on the amount of water, you know, up to like 100 gallons a minute through these machines, the bigger ones. So, you know, we're talking about being able to get a significant amount of water out and, uh, and, and, and in, a, in a 
fast, uh, you know, a faster time frame to get uh, the field watered. So, you know, there's, it all depends on, on the availability of water and the amount of pressure that you have as to what size machine uh, um, best suits the situation. So that larger machine, that 200 with the two inch hose, how long would it take to, you know, I, obviously it depends on a lot of factors as far as pressure and whatnot, but if you have the, the water and the pressure to run that bigger unit and cause you wanted to, let's say you're a district, but you've got <clears throat> soccer fields, baseball fields, football fields, you've got big practice fields, but you really only want to buy, maybe it's not the right choice, but would you rather buy two smaller units or one big unit if you do have the water supply that you could move around a different situation, you know, different fields? I, I mean, I would probably want to buy two smaller units. You know, the uh, uh, honestly, the the most popular sizes, you know, that that end up going to uh, in a school situation either or either the real small ones, the 110s because of water and pressure, or the 140 because they have enough water and enough pressure, and and then sometimes they'll buy like two of those because they're easy, you know, they're smaller, they're easier to move around. And if they got enough water, they can run those, you know, two machines at once versus the, you know, taking the bigger machine that's gonna require more water and, and to get everything covered, but. So when you say two machines at once, would you, is that two on the same field at one time? Or, no, running on two different locations. That's fine. Yeah, I just wanted to, yeah. to clarify. I didn't yeah. know if that's a thing where people will run two next to each other going down a, down a field at the same time. Yeah, well, we've had that. I mean, some guys, you know, that, uh, you know, have a lot of fields to cover and only have this, you know, the ability to use the small one tenths. They'll run them side by side and, you know, because it takes two passes to do it. So they'll get it done at one time. That could be that could be new, a new Olympic sport, Steve. Synchronized irrigation. That's right. <laughs> how long does it take to to let's say that smaller or even that um what you, the 100 or the 140 i think it said like those how long or 120 how long would it take to run down a football field like i guess that's on average um on average um putting down a decent amount of water um like six hours okay per pass yeah okay and how much water are you shooting for when you, you know, we're turf people, you know, Jeff and myself. I mean, we, a lot of times we try to say, you know, one inch deep and infrequent, ideally once a, once a week, but obviously when you get 95 degree days, you know, you got to bump that up maybe even twice or three times a week. Um, how much water are you recommending a half inch, an inch? Um, that just really depends on, you know, where we are in the world, you know, um, down here on the shore, you know, our ground's a lot sandier. Um, so, you know, we're needing, you know, a lot more frequent watering, you know, and, and, and depending on the temperature, you know, a lot more quantity as well, you know, and up your guys' way in Pennsylvania where the ground's a little heavier, you know, you may be able to get by with a, a half inch a week, you know, depending on the temperature and the season and how it's going but you know it's it's really very variable about you know just you know what kind of grass it is i got a question for you and i don't know the answer to this are there people that are injecting anything into the water like when it's going out at all um most of the time in 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 the turf situation at a school no now there are some you know um some guys uh doing some agricultural stuff 
that are uh, putting some fertilizer through. But uh, most of the time, uh, uh, most of the time, no. I mean, there probably are some guys doing that, but it's the, uh, you know, the guys that run in uh, that are the true uh, turf managers of the of the school that they're at. I mean, that's their only job is to manage that turf and make it the best it can be. Those guys are probably doing a little bit of that. And and uh, and I know we spoke earlier, Tanner. You mentioned about not having to water artificial turf, but uh, artificial turf does need water. Sure. No. Absolutely. Yeah, I know. And, and totally. There is, uh, you know, so that machine is set up with the ability to inject. We uh, Kipco makes a, uh, a, a synthetic turf machine as well to, uh, and it it is an engine drive, so it runs like twice as fast. It'll it'll pull the length of a football field in less than an hour to uh, and it has a, uh, a double, double big gun uh, cart on it. So it's water and it's pouring a lot of water out on that field in a fast amount of time to, to number one, cool it. And, uh, and it has the ability to put an injector on it to uh, put disinfectant through it as well. So, so there is the ability to, you know, inject the, um, certain things into the water line, you know, well, I'm thinking, you know, you're thinking like, you know, to eject like fertilizer and fertigate as we're water. And... Yeah, I know it's a thing that folks do in, in uh, vegetable production and some other row crops and whatnot. And I know that in in-ground irrigation, some folks have dabbled with doing that um, or possibly injecting like um, acid into their water, depending on what, how, what type of water they have. Um, to maybe alter the pH a little bit. Um, I think I have dealt with people that have done it on a golf course, um, but just the kind of idiosyncrasies between how good the coverage is and whatnot, once you start putting nitrogen in there, you can start getting some rings out there that you can really stand out. So unless it's a perfect system, uh, which ideally it would be, but I, I don't think a lot of folks are doing that, at least in, in professional turf, maybe some, but not wide scale. And definitely probably not at the school. Size. No, not the school uh, we, level, not usually. See, see, see quite a bit of fertigation um, on the production side of things um, back on the sod farms, um, you know, where they're, where they're, excuse me, where they're producing um, a crop basically to, to be harvested. Um, I know they do quite a bit of fertigation um, with fertilizers and sometimes some micronutrients depending on needs, but um, for the most part, um, they're putting that, putting that in, not in a water wheel situation, but an in-ground or a, a pivot irrigation system so that they have a little bit better control over distribution and, and coverage. About, oh, I got, a, I got an important question. What time of day for fields do you recommend them to typically water? I get that question a lot when, you know, for home lawns, which, when should I water in the morning in the afternoon when you're dealing with something like on an athletic field and it takes a long time. So obviously it's not going to all get down at one, you know, in an hour. What, what do you typically recommend if folks ask? I mean, ideally, I mean, you know, the morning water is um, probably the best to get it, uh, you know, to get the water out and so the turf has a chance to uh, dry off so that we're not looking at creating a disease issue, you know, down the road if we're watering late at night. And, uh, or, you know, it depends, you know, these guys, you know, and, and you see a lot of school situations there get water during the day because that's when the guys are there working, you know. So, 
you know, ideally you'd want early morning water, you know, um, but theoretically and, and, and practicality of it is, is that they get watered all times of the day just because of when the guys are there to run the machines. Absolutely. Yeah, we typically tell, I mean, I typically tell people, especially if it's an in-ground system, we, you know, Tanner, you've said this a million times too, is, you know, we try not to extend the wet period, right? So if the dew sets in at, you know, eight o'clock at night and it lifts at 10 o'clock the next morning, we'd like to have the water, you know, from the irrigation system be dry on the surface, just like Steve said, so that we're not creating a disease, you know, a, a more perfect storm for the opportunity for disease but steve you hit the nail on the head by saying it's going to get watered whenever somebody's there to turn the switch on or turn the switch off and then we'll we'll, we'll live with the aftermath after you know we'll have, then then they'll be calling saying hey why do i have um this disease and how do i get rid of it yeah that's your guys department uh, that's that's what that you know what we call that steve what's that job security there you go <laughs> uh tanner what do you what do you anything else you have for steve while we have the the expert and i use that term very loosely you know the you know the definition of an expert right yes i do and we're far enough apart 50 miles from home and carrying a briefcase and i know that steve's got one probably sitting right beside his desk while we're talking to him actually and i don't i don't carry briefcase anymore <laughs> <laughs> I, you have somebody that carries it for you now right oh, no no i'm not going that fancy uh, tanner anything else for steve before we, we we wrap this thing up and um he's kind of already told us that he's he thinks he's prepared for the final the the closeout of this show and that is our three strikes and you're out situation but no, i said i was aware yeah you were aware yeah you were aware no, I think I think we covered a lot of different different questions that I had for sure. I don't if there's anything else that he wants to add, I, I guess. No, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, they're just, you know, the thing about the uh, hose reel irrigation, you know, I mean, it's something that's really simple and easy to set up and uh, it's not a difficult uh, system to run and operate. So, I mean, it does make it a, a, a nice uh, system for, uh, you know, schools and uh, and, and sports fields you know, to use because it, it's it's not a very hard system to, to use and run. And, you know, and economically, I mean, yeah, things are a lot more expensive than they used to be, but they're still, you know, it's still a fairly economical system compared to an in-ground system cost-wise. And uh, you, you, know, you can go ahead and say it, Steve. It's made for people like me, right? Simple-minded, right? You, you don't have to be very smart to figure out how to use it. You're yeah, that's right. I mean, it, it, I mean, it's it's not a hard thing to do. So, you know, <laughs> and that's it, that's why they work so well because it is such a simple machine to operate. You know, I mean, it, it you know, anybody can run these things. So, you know, it's just a, a great machine to to use, and uh, you know, the maintenance on it's a lot lot less uh, than an in-ground system, and you know, and, and you can get started a lot easier, um, you know, cost-wise getting in, you know, getting involved in the irrigation side of things with a hose reel is a lot um, more economical than trying to get an in-ground system put in. So. That's fantastic, Steve. We really appreciate you joining us um, today uh, on Fresh Cut Grass. And as you said, um, you are aware of our our final closeout um, of every of every episode here at Fresh Cut Grass, um, and that is our three strikes and you're out. Um, 
Steve told us before the show that he had listened to a couple of episodes um, prior to today's recording um, to to kind of see how things went. You know, that's that's my that's my friend, right? Always being prepared, um, always knowing what um, what to expect. But here's my opportunity to to maybe see if we can throw him a couple of of strike questions and, and get him out. Um, but before I do that, Steve, I really do appreciate um, you coming on to be with us today. Talk about above ground irrigation, hose reel irrigation. Um, great conversation. Really appreciate you um, sharing and lending your expertise with with our listeners. Well, thanks. It's been great, and I uh, hope we uh, made some impact on some people, and uh, you know, gave them some ideas on on how to water their fields a little better, and. You know, and uh, and thanks to what you guys do to uh, help educate these folks and uh, make their life simpler as well, too. Well, thank you. So, um, Steve, you know, um, standard first question of three strikes and you're out, one that we ask everybody. Um, what do you like to do when you're not, in your case, um, talking about irrigation to customers or or end users? What What, what are your hobbies? What do you like to do? Well, um, we raise uh, sheep. We run a flock of uh, about 50 uh, purebred, uh, purebred ewes. Um, we have a flock of Hampshire sheep, a flock of Oxfords, and a flock of Cheviots. And uh, we, uh, we show and sell them up and down the East Coast. And uh, then we'll go to Louisville here in uh, November and show it to Big North American. We'll take a few head down there. And uh, that's what we do is uh, we show sheep and uh, sell sheep and I work sheep sales as a ring man and that's uh what I do in my spare time that's going way back to use that degree oh yes, that's the only that's the only time I use my degree is at home <laughs> well, well that's, not really but the that's that's, that's about three times more a day than I use mine right. <laughs> Tanner what do you have for him yeah, I guess uh, since you folks knew each other many years ago, I'm curious if there is any story or something about the two of you that maybe uh, is PC, something that we can we can put on here, and something that maybe is kind of funny, uh, maybe either funny or interesting that maybe folks don't know. I mean, I've known Jeff for a while, but I haven't known him as long as you have. We're, we're, and- we're probably... Steve, we're probably going to have to get the the beeping buzz and at buzzer out here to beep some of this stuff out. So let me get yeah, that buzzer ready. ready. <laughs> I want to hear a story about the two of you. You know, uh, you know, you two. I, you know, Jeff had said that you folks were friends. You know, for for many years, and I'm just curious. Uh, you know, uh, if there's anything interesting about the two of you. Well, I guess the uh, the PC side of it. The one one story would be that uh, we did work together uh, one summer at the college. And uh, so I worked on the farm, the animal side of the farm, and Jeff worked on the agronomy side. And and we hung out at lunchtime and we would, uh, you know, back in the day, you could actually ride in the bed of a pickup through town and not get arrested for it. And uh, going to DelVal and Doylestown, um, there was a lot of days that um, we would make it through the drive through store at lunchtime to pick up beverages for after we were done work. Um, so that was one thing that we used to do fairly often in the summertime is there would be, and it wouldn't just be Jeff and I, there would be like the whole crew. There would be like six of us that would all go to town to get lunch. And then we'd all drive through the, the drive-through and fill the bed of the truck up with beverages. What kind of beverages are we talking about here? 
um, barley pops. Super tasty. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought maybe you would tell the story of going hooden on on Bingle behind Bingle's old 1965 Ford Bronco um, Tanner to give you to give you a little I'll give you a little more because I I, I started the story here right we um, another one of our friends had a, a I think it was a 65 Ford Bronco it was um, an old square Bronco yeah it was it was like the new ones but you know 50 years ago um, and. It had four wheel drive. It was the only one of the few four wheel drive vehicles that we knew at the time that we didn't care about because Dingle didn't care about it either. Um, and we went to a a, a a junkyard and bought an old um, hood, and we five dollars, and and we we braided a rope of of baler twine and put it behind the um, behind the Bronco, and when it would snow. Um, we were responsible because we we did work on the farms, as Steve said, and and we knew where all the roads were, um, and the you know so we didn't run through the fields because we we did have respect for that, and but we'd stay on the roads. And I remember one night security chasing us, and um, they got stuck because they didn't know where the roads were, and um, we managed to pull into a barn um, and our and and hid the hid the Bronco and hid the hid the all the evidence and. Um, ran into our our farm manager's house and he he put us undercover to to keep us till security got got passed <laughs> wow that's funny so steve um that's the second that's the second of the three strikes um and and i'm gonna ask my typical um i'm not going i'm not going um i'm not gonna vary here um I want to know if you could smoke a cigar with five people at, at individual times, um, dead or alive. Um, so it can be a historic person. It could be a, a friend. It can be, you know, whatever, whoever, um, anybody. Who are the five people in your life that you would want to sit down and smoke a cigar with? Well, um, I thought about this because I, I heard that question the other day, and I'm like, you know, what would be my answer? And, and I thought for a little bit. Um, you know, it's one, a pretty it's a pretty good question. Yes, it's it a is. pretty good question. Yes, it is. Number one uh, would be my son. He is uh, a sort of a cigar aficionado, so I would start with him, so I knew which the good cigars to smoke were so, so you know what cigar to smoke with four or five with with but, two but, three four, four and five ones right <laughs> yeah so yeah so number one would be my son for that reason and uh just because he is a good guy and uh and a good kid so but he's he's grown as well so i was gonna say he's not a kid anymore steve no, no. you're getting old yeah he's uh he's getting married next year so i'm sure we'll smoke a cigar at some point but uh, yeah, so it would be my son, and the other one, um, you know, uh, would be George Washington. You know, uh, as the father of our country, growing up, I always was was uh, really fascinated with, uh, you know, his life and the stories that uh, that got written through history, and uh, and just really like that kind of uh, time frame in 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 our in our country's history is the revolutionary time and. You know, and all the things that he went through to uh, make this country uh, what it is today. <clears throat> so, 
Um, so that would be two. Um, the third one would probably uh, one, well, and these aren't necessarily in any order, but would be uh, Donald Trump. Um, just because, uh, you know, we'd like to sit down and find out what the hell really has been going on. <laughs> so, you know, that would be a, a, certainly a very uh, interesting conversation to have over a cigar as well. Um, um, the fourth one would be uh, probably somebody like a uh, uh, like a Dr. Lonnie Malkus, um, who was a uh, professor at UConn back in the uh, early days. Um, oh, you know, like those guys, uh, you know, that were like the uh, herdsmen's and the uh, professors at the uh, colleges and the universities back in the, uh, you know, the real early days of uh, real purebred breeding of uh, livestock. You know, uh, and the times that those guys would have gone like to the old Chicago International and and all those and how they developed some of these breeds of livestock that some of these guys did over time. You know, uh, and uh, that certainly would be a uh, interesting uh, conversation to have. And then, uh, you know, Steve, uh, while you're thinking of your fifth one, uh, not to interrupt you, but um, I asked my dad this same question, and it's funny. I'm laughing because. Um, he used one of his old college professors, um, who was a great Angus breeder, um, as one of his cigars in, in his mix um, right. back in the probably, day. Uh, Dr. Purdy. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's the same kind of thought that, that I had, you know, with, with somebody like that, that would, uh, you know, be really interesting. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure about the fifth one, you know. Um, um, you know, cause it's, uh, I'm not really fascinated with, uh, famous people, but, uh, you know, but, uh, my music likes have changed a lot over the years. And, uh, and I think a pretty cool dude is, uh, Cody Jinks and, uh, I, he has a podcast as well. And I, I think just sitting around and listening to him tell stories with a cigar and, and a cold beverage would, uh, would be a cool time to have as well too. Fair list, fair list. Um, Steve, thanks again for being on the show. Um, been great catching up with you. Um, and um, we appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to come be a part of Fresh Cut Grass. I I'll remind our listeners that they can reach Tanner and I at our email address. It's freshcutgrass at psu.edu. If you have any questions for any of our guests or any any either Tanner or I, you can reach us there. Um, at freshcutgrass at psu.edu. Tanner, another great one. Um, and uh, I'm going to let you um, take us home and, and close this thing out. Yep. Just want to uh, say thanks again to Steve. Uh, really appreciate the, the conversation we had. And uh, I guess we will talk to all of our listeners next time. <laughs>